Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hello, everybody. What's going on? How are my friends and fellow travelers doing out there? Today is Thursday. It is the, let me check my watch here, the 3rd of November, 2022. Let's go ahead and we'll get the contact info posted and then we'll jump in with the show. If you'd like to contact me, let's say you want to send an email, I'll read it out for you on the show. Or if you want to record your own audio, I'll play it for you. The place to send that is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. It's a little bit kind of uh, around the maypole, I guess, or around the, the bend a little bit to go this route. But you could also go over to my other website, which is thearmedape.com. And that's where that widget is that will pop up and it says send a voicemail. You can click on the microphone and it'll let you send me a 90 uh, second message and I can get it out on the show for you that way as well. If you go over to firearmscafe.com, you'll find all the social media stuff. There's also a donation button. And if you wanted to support the shows in other ways, you could tell your friends about it or share it on any social media platforms that you have, or you could just send in feedback which I always get a big kick out of. We don't have any feedback for this uh, this episode. So what we're going to do, I think we're done with our contact stuff. So let's go ahead and let's jump in with the show. The first thing we're going to talk about is a case that I found out about just a couple of days ago. And it has to do with the company Defense Distributed. And you're going to remember those that company or those guys from... They were sort of the original ones that were putting out the CAD files. So you could make magazines, you could do certain base plates, you could also do uh, certain other parts, but you could also, they, they put out the CAD file for the thing, was it called the Liberator, which was allowed you to shoot a 22 caliber through it. And again, without getting too far down in the weeds, it was almost more of almost like a concept type thing than it would actually be any type of a serious working long-term firearm, that type of thing. So anyway, as time went on and as 3D printing got more and more into the mainstream and as 3D printers became more affordable and, and all the material and everything, they were saying, well, instead of just printing certain things, why don't we make a milling machine and you could mill out your own frame on a, let's say like a 1911. I suppose you could do it on pretty much any frame as long as you had the files and, and you could get it to, to work. But you could also do an AR-15 lower. You could do it either from a, originally it was from maybe an 80% block and then they were saying, well, heck, you could even have just a regular block and it could go in there and mill it out. It's not as easy, of course, as you just throw it in there and then press a button. You sort of have to know what you're doing and, and you have to know how to run the machine, but I don't think there's too big of a learning curve. So I think their case against the state of California, I think California was banning or trying to ban maybe 3D printing of firearms or anything like the milling machine that Defense Distributed has, which they, I think they called the Ghost Gunner 2 or something like that. Anybody out there can feel free to correct me if I've got maybe the timeline off a little bit or the um, what they're calling certain stuff. 
California was saying, well, we're not going to allow 80% receivers. You have to have any firearm you have to have has to have a serial number. And kind of at the heart of it too, is what they were saying was that in California, they had a ruling that basically said any part that we want to, we can just call a firearm. So that even though it was an 80% lower, or if you were doing the thing where you were getting the kits, they're going to say, no, all that stuff has to be serialized because we consider that to be a firearm. And I think that they were going, uh, trying to, to go against that. And I think that was sort of the gist of the case. But in theory, what it would do is it would stop them maybe from being able to sell that in, in, uh, in California, maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was just, you know, you're not supposed to use it, that type of thing. So anyway, there was a judge who had been appoint, uh, excuse me, appointed by Bush. And his name is, I think it's George Wu. And uh, let's see, I think he was appointed by George W. Bush. And Wu determined, I'm going to kind of read some stuff and do some comments sort of at the same time, but it says, Wu determined the Second Amendment's text does not cover the building of firearms in a ruling against gun mill maker defense distributed. The judge argued California's law banning the possession of unserialized firearms, as well as parts or specific tools used to make them, does not basically go against the, the Supreme Court's Bruin decision. So in looking, it looks like what, and I'm kind of, kind of paraphrase a little bit here, but it looks like what his, what Judge Wu's premise is saying that in you, you know, with, with Bruin, you have to look at plain text, the history and the tradition of the second amendment at the time that it was written. And what did they mean? And kind of look at what did they intend? What Wu did is he said, well, I looked and, and I, again, I could be getting this wrong, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it, what it looks like is that he says, well, I looked at the Second Amendment, and it talks about keeping and bearing arms, but it doesn't say anything about making them. So therefore, our, or, or California's rule on being able to limit how you make them or put certain restrictions on when you make them, what it needs to have, like it has to have a serial number, blah, blah, blah. We can still do that because the Second Amendment doesn't say specifically anything about making a firearm. What he did is basically he just went, I'm just going to look at the text, but I'm not going to look at the history. And I'm not going to look at, tra at tradition and I'm not going to look at the context of those things. What do I think that's that's going to mean? There's already been a, a, a ruling when we, I think we talked about last time or the time before last. I can't remember which it was about that. I think it was a West Virginia case where the guy was saying that he had been found, he was a prohibited possessor, I think, and had been found in possession of a firearm that had the serial number either partially destroyed or altered or obliterated that whatever the terminology you want to use. And they eventually ruled, no, you can't, it's unconstitutional. You don't have, there's nothing, uh, you know, if we look at the, the text history and tradition of the second amendment, there's, it, they're really traditionally, they didn't care about serial numbers or anything like that. And in fact, serial numbers are just a, a manufacturer's way to determine a bad batch. So if you say, oh, the firing pins were a little short on batch 321 to 582, so we need to recall those. So anyway, 
it looks like in the writings, what again Judge Wu argues is that the defense distributed when maybe they were trying to, and I don't really know exactly what they're what they were saying, but I can't really find it in the stuff that I'm looking at here. Is that oh no that they have to, that you have to they didn't apply it to the text so they because there's nothing that says anything about it again California can then do whatever they want to do because there's nothing specifically written about making or manufacturing the, the individual being able to do that. When we look at the response from Cody Wilson, who is one of the founders of that, you know, he's basically saying, well, hey, I think this clearly falls under Second Amendment. What will we call it? Maybe umbrella, that type of thing. And that clearly this should be ruled in our favor. I think there was in Delaware, and I can't remember the judge who did it, but there was a judge who I think blocked the Delaware's trying to ban 3D, maybe 3D printing. I'm, and again, I'm not exactly sure. I just have a vague memory of that. What's interesting, when we look at how Wu is sort of, oh, I don't know if we want to say justify or if he's maybe explaining his, his ruling or how he came to that. He wrote that, um, this is a, this is, I'll, I'll do kind of quotes from what I am picking up from this article. He says, uh, quote, defense distributed and apparently certain other courts would like to treat the Supreme Court's Bruin opinion as a, quote, word salad, close quote, choosing an ingredient from this side of the, quote, plate, unquote, and an entirely separate ingredient from the other until there is nothing left whatsoever other than an entirely bulletproof and unrestrained Second Amendment, close quote, Boo wrote. Quote, that is not how precedent works. It is not even how language works. Then parenthetically, let alone salad in most instances. Uh, in in, in parentheses and then in and then close quote. It looks like what he what he's doing is he's doing the exact same thing that he's accusing other courts and defense distributed as doing. He's saying, oh, you're just cherry picking one thing and you're not looking at the bigger picture and you're not looking at the whole in context. And when you look at what came down from the Supreme Court, they're basically saying you have to look at when you are, are doing these rulings, you have to look at it in the the text, the history and the tradition. And you have to roll all those three as one thing. You have to look at all those things. So again, he's basically just doing kind of what he's wanting to do. It also looks like there was another part, which I don't really know that matters all that much, but it looks like there's another part where Defense Distributed also was seeking, what, what would we say, maybe like a judgment or a ruling that, that they wouldn't be held liable for the legal fees of, of uh, maybe from California. And then he said, well, you know, California said they're not going to seek legal fees, so... I'm not going to, I don't, there's no need for me to issue a ruling saying that they can't at a later date come back for that because they said that they wouldn't and that's good enough for me. So uh, we'll say, and, and then he also said, well, and because, you know, everybody will look back at this other stuff and they'll say, oh, well, they said that they wouldn't. So any other court will say, well, that will hold up and which is ridiculous on its face. So uh, again, part of, I think part of the things is, is that they're saying that it's kind of like some of the ATF stuff, I think, is that if you say, well, I've got this block of aluminum or I've got this, you know, 
thing that's it's got it's partially carved out but it's not a firearm it's just a block of aluminum what california is saying is oh no much like the atf does with when they when they talk about things like uh, intent or const- uh, uh, what do they call it constructive intent or something like that or ability to construct i can't remember exactly what it is but it's basically like oh if you have the parts it it doesn't matter if, if your intent to turn it into a, a firearm then it is a firearm and therefore it has to have a serial number and therefore you can't use this and therefore blah 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 blah, blah. and i think part of part of that ruling and again this is my interpretation if you have something a little bit different i think what they would say is you can't have even the again like a raw block of aluminum unless it has a serial number on it somehow and then they would probably say if in the milling process you milled it away and then re did it, you know you couldn't do that either because it's a it's a complete firearm and on its face it's ridiculous you know if you think about something like a car you wouldn't say oh here's the steering wheel and so now you have to register this car and pay taxes on it and get insurance on it because you have a steering wheel or even if you said well i've got a steering wheel and i've got an engine uh, and then i've got all these tools to put them together but i don't have a frame yet or i don't have this or uh, but they're, they're going to say well that's not a car you don't have to register it you know that type of thing or if you were building something from scratch you may have to get a, a vin number eventually and like staple it to the uh, uh, like riveted on. <laughs> I don't know why I said staple, but riveted on to the car, or fix it away if you wanted to drive it out on the road. But again, nobody in their right mind would say, "Oh, you have a set of tires, therefore that means that you have a car." They also wouldn't say, "Well, your rims and your tires and." your doors and the seats and the steering wheel and the radio, they all have to be matching numbers. You all have to, you, you can't have any parts uh, because we consider any part of, of the, of the car is a complete car in and of itself. So, and that's again, what we're seeing sort of with ATF and that other stuff. What do I think is going to happen with this ruling? I think it will be challenged. And I think a lot of times in the appeal process, the way that it worked when in in criminal court that I was involved with is an appeal doesn't mean that you just that you don't like the ruling. An appeal means that oh, either something procedurally was done wrong, or you're saying their interpretation was wrong to the point that it renders their ruling invalid. That their their interpretation is so far out of the realm of what would a reasonable person would decide or even another uh, other set of judges would decide they would say no they would never rule this way because it's clear uh, based on as in this case they would say it's clear based on things that were that we've seen from the supreme court and things that we've seen in other courts that that's what this what this means so i think it'll be challenged i think it'll be overturned i think it's one of those things where you would say, well, even if this judge knows it's going to be challenged, why would he give this ruling? You know, is, is he going to look? Is he afraid he's going to look kind of dumb? And we talked about again this on on earlier shows where eventually some judges aren't going to want to be overturned. Some, unless they're either what we were saying, advocate or activist judges, uh, 
And I think that's kind of what this guy is. Uh, and I think what he's doing, it looks like what he may do, and especially since they talked about the legal fees, he may be thinking, oh, even if this gets overturned and they have to go through the appeal process, they're still going to have to retain counsel. They're still going to have to put out a lot of money. They're still going to have to do all this other stuff. And maybe eventually we'll bleed them dry. Maybe it will buy us some time. Maybe by doing this, some other rulings will come down and this, that, and the other. So who knows? But I think that would be a good maybe guesstimate on my part as why this judge would be willing to do that. And I do think this judge, if you look at what he's talking about and how he was saying, oh, you can't have this bulletproof Second Amendment, the guy obviously thinks that the government should be able to regulate uh, us as far as firearms, but probably I'm sure in other things as well. That's really not the statement of somebody who believes in the supremacy of the individual. All right, well, we had talked a little bit, you know, kind of about ATF before and some of the other court cases that are going on. Some of that stuff we're just going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait and really see what happens on the pistol brace stuff until December when that kind of ruling comes out. Like I said, today's the third. Uh, what's the voting day? The eighth, I believe it is. So after that, now, again, even if the Senate flips, and if the House flips, I don't know that we're going to see a whole lot that the Republicans are going to do for us here in gun world. They haven't done a whole lot in the past. There are some now that are doing stuff, but it's like I've said before, it almost seems like they only want to fight for you when it's almost impossible for them to win. There are some out there that are pretty good. Uh, we're also seeing people that... Uh, that were pretty high up on the gun control list that seems that they're kind of changing their mind. We're seeing certain politicians or certain former politicians or even certain celebrities that are not necessarily on guns, but that on their leanings are changing a little bit or at least coming out and saying, hey, enough is enough with all this you know, stuff that's going on with all this super woke stuff. You're kind of taking it too far. And a lot of those people would say, hey, I never, my positions didn't really change. But what's being portrayed in the media and what's being put out there is that the left is going so far. Or that maybe they would say that the, the radical left in the Democrat Party is pushing it to such an extreme. And I guess supposedly all these moderate Democrats are just going along with it. If, and supposedly, remember, the moderate Democrats are supposed to be the ones that are the majority, but apparently that doesn't seem to be the case. So anyway, you know, you look at a guy like Bill Maher. You look at, you know, some of these other people and even somebody like oh, Tulsi Gab Gabbard. I think that's her last name. Tulsi Gabbard. Yeah. Um, I listened to an interview. She, uh, she has a, a channel over on Rumble. And she had Steve Scalise on there, who was one of the uh, House Representative guys that got shot uh, when that uh, Bernie Sanders follower or whatever went over there and tried to shoot up a bunch of people or a bunch of the Republicans at the softball game at the practice. And it was interesting, you know, she kind of gives her thing and she talks about, well, I grew up in Hawaii and Hawaii was always very restrictive and I didn't really kind of think, she didn't really think too far. And I don't think she's, 100% like pro-gun, I don't think you, I think she's probably, just from listening to some of the stuff that she said, is 
probably still in favor of some restrictions that maybe you and I would not be, but I think she's on the road to coming more and more over to our side because what she's seen is, and these are kind of from her words, is she's saying, look, I'm seeing that our government is becoming more and more out of control and going into tyrannical behaviors. And so we can't have the ability to own firearms to protect ourselves and to protect our way of life and our the way that we think the the constitution is set up and, and how it what it says we can't allow that to have to go through the filter of the government basically that the government can say well this is what you can have this is what you can't have you know all this type of stuff so anyway i was thinking about the other day with atf and how they you know, with the whole pistol brace thing and how they say, well, you know, if it's, uh, I think what they're, what their ruling is going to be, of course, is if you've got this pistol brace and it's under, and your barrel is under 16 inches, you either got to take it off or you got to register it as a, uh, as a SBR or you got to destroy it or you got to turn in the gun, you got to blah, 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 all this other stuff, uh, which again, I think is going to be challenged and I think will be overturned. I think eventually, and again, maybe not this year, maybe not two or three years from now, but it could be relatively quickly. It's just hard to say what's going to happen. I think eventually SBRs are just going to be done away with. I, I, I don't, uh, I, I think that the way that they've got that set up is it's a clear infringement and it's a, uh, that you have to pay the tax and you have to do this stuff and that you can be subject to, you could probably even go after it, I think under, is it the fifth that says you can't, you're not supposed to be subject to cruel and unusual punishment? Or have I got that wrong? But anyway, you could do it under there because you would say, well, wait a minute, I didn't pay a tax. And so now I've got to spend 10 years in prison. That doesn't, that doesn't, and it's a $200 tax that I didn't pay. So under, a, you know, if anything, it should be an extra fine or something, you know, or, or, uh, and it shouldn't be a felony. It would be kind of a misdemeanor. But anyway, I kind of digress. So anyway, th thinking about that stuff, I was thinking, well, if let's say that somebody out there says, well, I, you know, I don't think like they're saying, I think these are specialized items. And I think you should have to, if you don't have to register them, you should at least have to, you know, pay it the tax stamp. And I think blah, blah, blah. For me, I was going to, I was thinking, well, wait a minute. Why, why shouldn't it be more like, uh, especially like how it is out here in Arizona, where I'm from. You have, if you want, Arizona is a, what they call a, um, a permitless carry state. You, as long as you're not a prohibited possessor, you can carry a firearm to your heart's content. If you have a valid state permit, you can take it into certain places that you can't without. Um, so places where they serve alcohol, that type of stuff. Anyway, I don't want to get too far down on that. But anyway, I was thinking... In Arizona, what that permit does for you, it doesn't, you don't have to get a permit. Let's say if you have a, a Glock 17 and you've got a, a Smith & Wesson MMP and you've got uh, a Ruger LCP, you don't have to get individual permits or you don't have to have those listed out. I don't know if it's that way in some other states. It may be, but at least here in Arizona, you don't have to get an individual thing and you don't have to pay an individual fee every time you do it to carry different things to carry different weapons and in arizona it's a concealed carry weapons permit which means that you could probably if you wanted to consider uh, conceal a knife or 
asp or something like that, you know, that would maybe be considered a, uh, a weapon. And so I thought, well, why isn't that the same with your tax stamp? Let's say that they're going to keep the idea of a short barrel rifle or a short barrel shotgun or, or other things or, or machine guns, right? Depending on what state you live in, you can own a machine gun. They're hideously expensive, but you can, you can get it. You just have to register it with them. You have to get that tax stamp. But if you've passed the check once, right? You should only ever really have to do it one time. You really shouldn't have to go. There's no reason if they've approved you once, you shouldn't have to pay $200. It should just be a, let's just say that they're going to keep it that same amount. And let's say that you had gotten a tax stamp previously on a suppressor that you bought. And then you wanted to go out and buy another one. Well, currently you have to go and do all the paperwork all over again. You have to, you know, do, if you've got a trust or if you're doing it an individual, there's a whole bunch of other steps you got to go through and you got to pay. So it's just the government making it more onerous. It's just making it more and more a pain in the butt so that the average person says, oh man, I do not want to go through all that hassle. I'm just not even going to bother getting this thing. I'd love to have one, but I'm not going to get it. I don't want to have to jump through all these hoops. And, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't want to be on a list. I don't want to be on this. I don't want to be on that. Well, you know, I think we're kind of, in this day and age, whether we like it or not, I think we're all kind of on a list at some point. They just can't. I don't know if they have a, a, a list as detailed as they would like to have. I think they've probably got a list of everybody who has a hunting license or a fishing license because they're, uh, even with the fishing license, I'm sure that they would say, well, there's probability that that person who fishes probably owns at least one firearm. So, but anyway, getting back to my idea, it should be that one tax stamp kind of like the one ring should should rule them all, right? It, you shouldn't, there's no reason why you should have to do anything over and over. And let's say if you were still going to have to register a, a short barrel rifle type thing, which I, again, I don't agree with, but all you should have to do is just send in and say, hey, I bought this, here's the receipt, or not the receipt, here's the serial number on it or whatever, blah, 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 or however you're going to do it, or I have a you know, I, I don't know. Again, I think that this stuff is all going to be eventually struck down. They may not take away, I don't think they'll probably do it on machine guns. I think that's probably a, too much of a hot button issue. At least I don't think it'll ever happen in my lifetime. I, like I said before though, I do think they are going to maybe get rid of the designation of short barrel rifle and maybe short barrel shotgun or and i think eventually they'll probably get rid of suppressors as well i think those things are going to be challenged and especially with some of the things that atf did a while back where at one point they said well a suppressor is not a firearm and at another point they said it is they said it was an accessory but it's a, it's a well it's not a firearm it's an accessory that we can regulate again under under the text history and tradition, especially under Bruin, if you look at it under that context, I don't see how they can regulate a suppressor. So at the very least, I think that's gone. And if they can't regulate a firearm that is has a has a 16-inch barrel, why do they get to regulate one that has an 8-inch barrel? 
And then you, because you could also make the argument, well, there's revolvers that have six inch barrels and you're not regulating those. There's handguns that have six inch barrels. There's handguns that shoot a cartridge that's just as powerful or more so. And you're not regulating those and you're saying, oh, well, it's concealability and all this other stuff. Eh, I mean, I, I just, I can't see how it can possibly hold up long term. So I think, and like I said, I'm hoping it comes sooner, but I think probably within the next three to five years, SBRs will be a thing of a past. I think it may be sooner because I think what's going to happen is December, that ruling may or may not, we'll see if the ATF is going to do it, may or may not roll out. And if that happens, there is going to, I'm, there's, I'm sure there's already lawsuits and stuff that are in the, kind of in the chamber waiting to be fired out across the bow. So, all right, I think that is about it. Uh, I don't really think I had anything else I wanted to talk about. I think I mentioned uh, already about the, um, oh, the uh, ruling, the West Virginia ruling and about the serial number thing. So I think with some of that, I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I do think the California thing on the 3D printing and even the milling machines are going to be overturned and overruled. And eventually it's going to fall under the thing of, hey, you don't have to have a serial number if you're making it yourself. And uh, as long as you keep it for yourself. So anyway, I think I'm starting to kind of be going a little bit of a circle here. So I would love to hear from you. If you want to contact me, send me your audio or your emails or go over to thearmedape.com and click on that microphone and send me a little quick uh, voicemail through there. And if you want to do it the traditional way, so again, a traditional email or record your own audio and send it in to me, you can do that at firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. All right, my friends, I will talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>